it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 573 for December 1st, 2018, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchas with Programming by Stealth, installment 67 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing grand. Um, mildly cranky at the Irish Met Office. Um, they promised me bad weather in the morning, better in the afternoon. So the morning was dry grand so i did all of my shopping in the morning and then i spent the afternoon cycling in the rain oh <laughs> that's a shame well nothing better yeah. than to uh dig into some programming by stealth uh, thank you everyone for waiting for us i think they waited an extra week didn't they that's true we did a whole bunch of jiggery pokery you got extra security bits but less programming by stealth yep but it's it thanksgiving was, it was well, not you. happening <laughs> Well, what are we we're talk into about the silly today? season anyway, right? So this, yeah. this may happen again as, as we do the, those other festivals that happen sort of as the calendars change. Oh, that's right. We better check the calendar. But we should. this do. is an evergreen anyway. podcast and people could be listening to this in June. So we should probably tell them what we're talking about. True, indeed. So today we're going to do ha- the first half of a new bootstrap component. So to remind ourselves, the bootstrap stool has the four legs. You have the utilities that we looked at first. You have Bootstrap's rendering of standard HTML stuff. Then you have Bootstrap's components, which are basically things that Bootstrap has added that don't exist in basic HTML. And then there's also Bootstrap plugins, which are sort of used to make a lot of the components go. We haven't really looked very much at plugins. Or at all, actually, now that I think about it. Um, But today we're going to look at one of Bootstrap's nice components, which is their drop-down component. And it has two distinct uses and two distinct flavors. So we're going to break it into two. I initially tried to write it as one show, and that was a terrible idea. (laughs) I think at one stage I asked you for some more time for this one because I was having trouble telling a story. And that was because I was trying to tell two stories instead of one. Oh, okay. So they really are distinctly able to be told separately. They really should be told separately. Otherwise, they're just confusing and weird. And I know the show. And this way, they're not weird. The the class is taking forever this way, but I really like it in in bite sized chunks. I think, no, I think it works better for everyone. Um, Better for me to write them, better for you to receive them, just better. (laughs) So, the two things that drop downs are for. So, I guess the first thing I want to say is be careful not to confuse drop downs with uh, the select element in a form, right? This is not Hmm. about replacing the select. This is about either being a menu in a web app. So think of it like the menu in your Mac or your Windows PC. Or it's about being a navigation menu on a website. So there it's two hats that it wears. And so we haven't looked at how Bootstrap does navigation at all. Because Bootstrap actually has really nice built-in components for navigation bars and even a special one for site-wide navigation. Uh, So that's what we're going to do next time. We're going to look at navs and drop-downs within navs. And today, we're going to sort of keep to the drop-down as a UI element, as, as, as a menu within some sort of web app or form. So but again, would menu, this be like, not... Like doing the three little, uh, the little hamburger menu drop-down kind of things? Well, the hamburger menu drop-down is exactly is the thing we're not doing this week. That's that's the site nav. Oh, that's okay. about navigating around your website, right? That's, that's navigation, not GUI. Okay, so what is <laughs> what is the thing we are doing? So for UI in an app, so like on your Mac, what are menus for? They're for driving your apps. On a web app, drop-down menus are for driving the UI of some sort of webby thing you're doing. Okay, I'm going to have trouble. I'm, I'm waiting to find out how it's different than a select. Okay. It sounds like a select. No, because a select is a way of specifying a value that will be sent to a server when you submit a form. A menu is for taking an action, right? File save. It's not a selection. It's not indicating a preference that will be sent to a server. A select is for saying, do you want euros, dollars, or pounds? A menu is for saying, save, open, close. Okay. See the difference? So not saving data, but but taking an action, even though saving data is an action, action, (laughs) but all but those. Okay. Yeah, so your menu in, in the computer does not specify it's not expressing a choice it's expressing a desire to do something it's an action right 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 okay so a select is about expressing a choice and a menu is about taking an action okay 
And then the special case is that the action is go to a different web page, and that's what we're doing next week. Okay. Which is navigation. Before we do any of that, though, I did actually set you some homework way, way, way back when. <laughs> um, we were continuing to work on our recipe, either my sample solution to the previous challenge or your own recipe, wherever it stands at the moment. Um, and the idea was that we were going to add form validation into the two forms we had added into the recipe previously. So there was a form for sharing the recipe hypothetically, doesn't do anything. And there was a form for pretending to log into the admin page that doesn't exist. And right. so we wanted to add form validation to both. And for bonus credit, I had mentioned the fact that there was a popover variant of the validation feedback um, widgety things. And that if you figured those out, you got bonus credit. So I, of course, did that because otherwise it wouldn't be much of a sample solution. <laughs> I, so I, can I tell you where I ended? I, I do have to admit sure. I procrastinated till the very last minute. But um I got to the point where I I got myself confused because I had two forms on my page. Mm -hmm. So you had told us at one point to have a form in the footer. So I had a login form in the footer and I had a, um, you know, I'm using the PBS index project that that, uh, Dorothy and I have been working on, uh, not a recipe, but I had the send somebody an email form and then this other form in the footer. Mm -hmm. And if I comment out everything in the second form, then the first one works and does all the validation it should. But as soon as I turn on, I uncomment out the other one, everything all goes to poo-poo. Is there, are there two form tags on your page and are they correctly encapsulating each form separately? And do they have different IDs? There weren't originally. There are now, but I'm not, what, what I found surprising was that if I didn't do all of the form validation stuff, the other one couldn't simply exist in its previous form from before we did form validation. Then there's something wrong. Okay. And there's a tag not closed. Okay. Because that okay. absolutely is not expected behavior. Okay. They, they are they supposed also to be completely to be... independent. So one could be inside the other by mistake, or there could be a missing closed form tag somewhere. Okay. That sounds kind of like it, because the one in the footer, um, I can't submit it without filling out the first form. Okay, they're definitely connected. There is definitely a, a markup be. problem. Okay. All right. That tells me where to go look. Yeah. Because yeah, they are supposed to be completely independent if they're if they're properly marked up. Okay. I wanted to make sure before I actually spent effort trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's a, good, a very, very good question because it really helps you debug your page. Yeah. I'm not getting any errors in the in the JavaScript console, which I always forget to look in. And I finally this yeah, time went, hey, I should go look over there. But remember, browsers are really forgiving and they're trying to be helpful. It's just they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the JavaScript should... console is not telling me any errors right now. Right. But that just means there's no JavaScript wrong. It doesn't mean that your markup is correct. Ah, that's true. Right. The browser could be falling into crooks mode and doing all sorts of weird stuff in an attempt to be helpful, but actually failing miserably. Yeah. Okay. So the first step in getting fancy pants validation is to use the HTML5 markup to actually tell the, the the form what it is you want. So that means in this case specifically adding the required attribute into all required fields and being sure that our input tags have the appropriate type. So type equals email, etc. Um, the other thing is that my in my sample solution, the forms I had done last time used buttons instead of submit buttons because we weren't actually submitting a form anywhere. But now that we're doing validation, we need to actually be a little more proper about it. So I had to change my buttons to submit buttons. Yeah, I figured that out, that that was a big change in the way you explained it last week or last time. Yeah, because validation happens at the point of submission. So if there's no submission, you're not going to have much validation. Right, right. Um, so once I had my markup in place, which is literally was just a case of adding the required and type equals email, and then changing my buttons to be type equals submit. Once I had my markup in place, um, it was then time to decide for each individual form how pernickety was I going to get. So you can either have just pure HTML5, or you can have sort of HTML5 validation, but only after the first time they submit the form. We sort of went through all these options last time was PBS66, right. A, B, C, and D. And so I decided to go for the bigger form with the sort of the halfway house, which is standard HTML5 validation on first submit. 
So we won't validate anything until the user first submits the form, and then we'll we'll enable the standard HTML5 validation. And of course, Bootstrap gives us nice green highlighting when you do that. Right. So all that involved doing was adding a nice simple event handler into the document ready handler. So I created a new variable called dollar share form, and I used the good old fashioned dollar function to go find the form with the ID share underscore fm. Uh, so then I had a reference to my share form. Then I could say, I could define a function which I'm calling enable share validation. And it was simply going to add the class was-validated, which is how you tell Bootstrap to start showing all the validation stuff. So if your form doesn't have was-validated, Bootstrap will be quite silent. Uh, well, I say silent. It's, we're not talking noise here. We're talking color, <laughs> but you get what I mean. Right. And once you give it that class, Bootstrap wakes up and you start to see green for good, red for bad. Right. And so, you have to remember to remove that from we had written it earlier in the form. Yes, because if you have it there all the time, then the form loads in red, which maybe you know, that is option A, right? Just just always have it on. And that takes almost no effort, right? One class and you're done. Right. But in this case, we want to be silent until the first time they submit. So we don't add the class in the HTML. Instead, we have a submit handler. So $shareform.submit. And on that submit handler, we call enable share validation. Right. Uh, I also then added um, an event handler to all the text areas and the inputs to say that on invalid enable share validation. And in hindsight, I'm not entirely sure I needed to do that. It doesn't well, do any explain, harm. You explained why you did that last time. You explained that if... I did, didn't I? Yes, I did. Now I remember. Thank you, Alison. Sorry, <laughs> brain fart. Yes. Because... The submit event only happens after validation passes because invalidating short circuits validating or submission. So if you don't have an on invalid, then your form only gets goes green. It never goes red. Yeah, right. Yes, thank you, Alison. I forgot that. <laughs> I did and, my homework last week. And you explained that uh, the way you wrote that where you have dollar uh, input comma text area and then dollar share form was you're saying look in share form for all of the input and text area tags yes so that is a css selector and the comma operator in a css selector means it means or basically so input tags or text area tags right yeah which is what we want and contained within share form that's and i know that one because i looked at the at the code that you had written and i went what is he doing i have no oh look he has really good show notes about this (laughs) <laughs> which are right in front of you because you're working on your index page right right works right so for my second form I decided to get all fancy pants so full bootstrap validation with popover notifications in order to earn my extra credit so the first thing is the documentation for validation tooltips can be found here so I think I had said in the challenge to go look for the documentation so there's the first part of the answer here's the docs and you can see in the docs what they look like he says oh, I suppose if you hit submit you will yeah there they go um, so the tooltips basically semi-transparent and they hang down it's, yeah some people like them I'm sure they're good in some situations but anyway so we were going here with full and complete form validation so HTML5 is told to take a break and we're going to do everything so that we have full control So that means that the first thing we have to do is add no validate into the form tag so that HTML5 knows not to put up its little um, uncustomizable doodads, which are different in every browser. The next thing to do then is to add a div that will serve as the tooltip for my validation message. So since this is such a simplistic form, I'm only going to have one validation message. If you had a massive big form, you'd probably have more than one message because you might want to whine about different things. So you might have multiple divs. Um, and this div needs to be added inside the input group, but not as the first or last element, I discovered, because otherwise you mess up all the borders and you don't get the nice rounding. Oh. And the documentation says that the tooltip must be contained within an HTML element with CSS position property relative. Hmm. So I did this by adding an inline style to the input group that set position to relative. So in other words, I have span class equals input group, input group SM style equals position colon relative. So that's 
literally by the book, setting your positions relative. And the docs just said to do that, so I did that. Ah, there it is. I just caught up to where you were. <laughs> That's why I've been so silent, been trying to find it. Okay. Huh. So I've highlighted in yellow the things that I've been messing with. So my form now has an ID. It didn't have an ID before. Um, I have this this new position colon relative on the container for the whole thing. And then I have my new div class equals invalid dash tooltip. And then my button is now a submit button. Yeah. So with the markup done, then it's just a matter of doing the JavaScript. So again, all of this is inside the document ready handler. So the first thing I need to do now is write a validation function to actually validate the form. Since I've told HTML to sod off, I'm going to do it myself. So to make my life easier, I made a new variable called dollar login form, which is just a reference to the login form. So again, use the dollar function to get the thing with the ID of login underscore FM. And then we write our validate login form function. So the first thing is whenever we try to validate the form, we 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 turn on the, the green and red lights. So we basically say login form.add class was validated. Right. Then we gotta figure out if both inputs are valid or not. So I decided to make a variable called all okay. And then I got really, really cheeky and decided to do it all in one line and to sort of a slight little test, I guess. So this is the kind of code I would write in the real world, whereas I could, if I, I could easily have written this over multiple lines and I would have done earlier in the series. So do you want to have a go at decoding line eight there? What's going Yikes. on? All right. Cost, all okay. So far, I know you've got a variable there. You've got mm-hmm. the dollar function and... I'm lost already. It says input colon valid. Okay. So first off, which version of the dollar function is it? We have two we have two arguments, yes? Oh, right. And when there's two arguments, the first one is the CSS selector. So it's saying to look yes, in the login form for things with the CSS selector input colon valid. So in CSS selector land, what does the colon mean? I don't remember. Would it have the, val- the colon the is value? for the pseudo classes. Ugh. So the pseudo classes were things like colon hover for when you're hovering over something, mm. and colon valid for any form element that is currently valid, and colon invalid for any form element that is currently invalid. There's also colon visited on links. So these are basically they're sort of they're classes that arrive through state rather than through I have given them a class. Okay. That's why they're called okay. pseudo classes. Okay. So um, colon valid is the pseudo class that any any form element that is currently valid will have. Okay. So input colon valid is saying, give me all of the input tags that are currently valid inside the login form. Right. And then you say, now look at those and how many are there? So you say dot length, mm-hmm. if it's identically equal to two. So what's the output of a triple equals operator? What does that produce? Hmm. It's a I've boolean, got... right? Okay. I'm I'm a little confused by you saying const all okay becomes equal to something identically equal to two. Right. So the, what's the output of a comparison operator? What does a comparison operator calculate to? Well, you're saying a boolean. A boolean, yeah. But So all okay is going to be either true or false. They're the only two possible values. Okay, so it's either right. identically equal to two or it's not. That does not look like a real equation. I don't like equal signs twice in an equation part. Okay, but one of those is a becomes equal to, and one of those is a question. Yeah. One of those is an assignment operator. The other one is is a, is a test for equality. Okay. All right. And the, the assignment operator has the lowest precedence of all operators, so it always happens last. So everything is calculated, and then the result gets shoved into all OK. And so the result is a Boolean, so whether true or false. So then we can carry on with life knowing whether we're happy or cranky. So we say, if all OK, we hide our little um, feedback doodad. And I decide also while I'm at it to, um, as well as marking stuff in red, I've decided to be extra 
in your face and disable the submit button whenever I'm cranky. <laughs> so the opposite of disabling is enabling. But JavaScript is Yoda speak. Um, so JavaScript, well, in fact, HTML, the property is not enabled. The property is disabled. So to enable something, you set the property to disabled. Sorry, you set the disabled property to false. Is how you <laughs> enable something. Ugh. Oh, I see why it's fun to take full control, Bart. Yeah. So this also gave me an excuse to to intentionally throw in another reminder from the distant past. So again, on line 13, we have the dollar function with two arguments. So we're looking for something inside login form. So what is it we're looking for there? I'm not sure. Okay. So the square brackets are another CSS selector we haven't used in a while. It's the attribute selector. So we are looking for button tags with the attribute type equals submit. So the fact that it's button square bracket something, that's the attribute of that button? Yes. Oh. As in, we only want to match buttons that have the attribute type, which has the value submit. Okay. So you could look for all links that open in a new in a new window by having a open square bracket um, target equals underscore blank. Right, right. So that's what it's for. Or you could find every image with a width of exactly 200 by saying IMG open square bracket width equals 200. I mean, you could get, do all sorts of silly things. But basically, anything inside an HTML tag that is name equals value is an attribute. And so you can search for it with these square brackets. Okay, that's cool. Yes. As I say, it's not one you use very often. It's just when you need it, it's darn powerful. Yeah. Because what makes a submit button different to another button? Well, it's the fact that it has type equal submit. So this is the only way you're going to easily get a submit button. And I only want to disable the submit button. I really don't want to disable the inputs because that would that would not be good. That would be very counterproductive. You've entered something wrong. You're now locked out. Good day. <laughs> I swear we've all been on that form though, haven't we? Oh, I, I have written such things by mistake and then been very cranky at myself. I've been so silly. It's like, if I, may, if I step off this path once, I'm never getting on the path again. Poof. So anyway, uh, the else statement does the opposite. It shows the warning, the message saying what's wrong, and it sets disabled to true. So it actually disables the submit button. And the last thing my function does is it returns whether or not it was happy or sad. So return all okay. So that's just defining the function. It hasn't run. It's just been defined. This function now exists. Why does it need to return whether it's happy or not? Uh. Well, hold on a moment and then you'll see. Okay. So now we come to write the actual event handler to happen when someone submits the form. So $login.form.submit and then we we pass it in an anonymous function. So when someone submits the form, either by hitting enter or by clicking the login button, then we say if validate form open close bracket, so expelliarmus our function, as Mm -hmm. I like to say, so again, this if statement is, needs to know whether it was happy or sad. So that's why we're returning. If it's happy, when you hit submit, it pops up a message saying, sorry, this is just a dummy form. There's nothing to actually log into here. And then it stops. Okay. Right. Else, we have to actually stop the form from submitting, stop it in its track. So we say e.stoppropagation. We then say $input colon invalid. Uh, focus. So what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Line 27. Some more J, J, jQuery to uh, test you with. Okay, so we're looking at the login form. We're looking for uh, things in the login form with the CSS selector input of type invalid, pseudo type invalid. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to say go to the first field and focus on it. Yeah, exactly. So there could be two of them invalid, but I can only focus one thing. So I'm just going to say whatever is first in the form that's invalid, focus that one. Okay. So even if I type uh, a username into the username, if I try to hit login, it's going to say both username and password are required and the alert is over on the first one. No, because the first one won't be colon invalid if you actually entered something. Um, Right? It's the first one to meet the selector. So the selector is invalid. No, it sticks over the the little red bubble stays over the first field. It doesn't move over to the password field. 
Okay, no, no. The red bubble isn't what's moving. It's your cursor. That's what focus means. Where's the cursor gone? Um, I can get focusing. It I'm not moving the right. The the actual text area never moves. Right. It's one. It's one. It's one popover that either shows or hides. It doesn't move. What I'm doing focus means where's the where's the blinky cursor? So I'm typing a word into your username field. And right. then I'm trying to hit login, but I can't because it's disabled. So what would right? So hit a... enter to try submit the form, and then it should drop you into the second one. Mm. No, because as soon as I start to type, it says both username and password are required. Before I ever do anything, I don't have to even hit submit for it to do that. I type a single character into the username field, and it and it says both username and okay, password. Okay, so I've, no, I've tried to be too clever. I could either focus one or I could disable the login button. I can't do both because <laughs> you can't now submit the form. Therefore, that focus command can never happen. Yeah, but it, it's yelling at me the minute I start to type. Shouldn't it right, wait because, for me yeah, to try to submit? That's because of code we haven't looked at yet. <laughs> okay. So the next line, the next thing we do is we add a an on input event handler to validate the form. So line thirty dollar input inside the login form dot on input validate the login form. So what so is as soon as input? you start typing? Oh, okay. Pardon? Okay. As soon as you start typing. Yeah. So the input event means that you you enter something into a text area. Okay. So as soon as you enter something, validate the form. Yeah, it seems kind of mean. You're yelling at me before I've even done anything wrong. Just trying to type. Yeah, maybe that was a bit overzealous. <laughs> anyway. I'm sort of experimenting with what I could do. Right, right. Whether you should, just because you have that power, Bart. That is indeed something I would say quite often. <laughs> um, the last little subtlety. Um, by default, a drop down, a, these little pop down thingies are always below. Mm. And our form is at the very, very bottom of the page, which means that by default, it was basically making a white bar appear under the footer, which looked silly. So I hacked it. <laughs> and the way I hacked it was by setting the position. Uh, sorry, I, I basically I used the inspector to figure out how the thing was styled. I found that its position was absolute with a value of top 31. Or sorry, a top zero. And I set it to top th- no, it was a position of top 31, which puts it below 31 pixels down. Uh, so I set it to top minus 2.5 EM, which then shoved it above. <laughs> you were having fun, weren't you? I might have been. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's my sample solution to the homework. Love it. Almost exactly as hard as I worked on it. <laughs> okay, um, so... Introducing bootstrap dropdowns, and I just want to repeat again, this is not trying to replace the select tag. This is for a menu of actions or a menu of links. And today it's all about the actions, and next week it's all about the links. Okay. Or next time. So regardless of which flavor of dropdown we're using, uh, okay, so the first thing to say is when it's all about the actions, the tag you use inside your dropdown is the button tag. And when it's all about links, the tag you use inside the dropdown is the A tag. So this week, button, button, button. Next week, A, A, A. Wait, say that that one more time for me. Okay, so when you're you're writing a dropdown to be for navigating the website, the tags that make up the menu are A tags, which are the normal tags you use for links, right? Your anchor tag. Okay. A href equals. Okay. So that's if you're using a dropdown for navigation, you fill it with links. Okay. Which is rather sensible. When you're using a dropdown for actions, you fill it with buttons. Okay. That makes sense. It does make sense, yeah, which is why okay. it's like that. Uh, Bootstrap likes using semantic markup because mm-hmm. it makes more sense. So today, we're buttons all the way. <laughs> buttons all the way down? Buttons all the way down. Um, but regardless of which variant we're on, there are some things that are just universally true. So whether you're filling your dropdown with buttons or links, it's still a dropdown, and so its anatomy still has an awful lot in common. So let's let's look at the common anatomy before we get stuck into our buttony variant. So 
the first thing to remind you of is that the bootstrap component, like most of the bootstrap components, r- depends on the JavaScript that ships as part of bootstrap being there. So when we were only doing the utilities, we could get away with only including the CSS and not bothering with the JavaScript. But now that we're into component land, we need the JavaScript as well, because a dropdown responds to someone clicking on something. So there's JavaScript there. So just to say, when you're doing dropdowns, you have to have the script tags at the bottom of the page. For accessibility reasons, um, regardless of um, which variant you're using... um, Actually, no, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So a drop-down menu has two parts. Something which behaves like a toggle or a trigger to to make the menu come and go, and the menu. And the menu itself contains menu items. Okay. So you have a toggle or a trigger, a menu, which consists of menu items. They're the ingredients. Okay. So for for accessibility reasons, you need to tell a screen reader that the thing that you're using to trigger the menu is in fact a thing you're using to make something invisible become visible. And it's not visible by default. So the way you do that in ARIA land is you say ARIA-has-pop-up equals true. That tells a screen reader, this is a Yoki that makes a thing appear. Yoki? And the last thing you say is aria-expanded equals false, which tells a screen reader it hasn't appeared yet. What is Yoki? You lost me on that. A generic anything. Some sort of UI element. Like, aria doesn't really care what it is. What you're telling the screen reader is that a widget will appear. The actual wording in the aria spec is widget. Huh. Okay. Some sort of text, some sort of thing. Hmm. This seems odd. Maybe I'll understand when we get into it. Okay. Okay, well, a menu is something you click on and then it expands. So you're saying with that aria has pop-up equals true, what you're saying is a screen reader needs to make this trigger be something you can tab to or get to with the rotor because there's okay. an action here. Okay, okay. Right? This is, this okay. does something. This This makes something else happen. This makes something appear in this case. So it has pop-up. Okay, that's pretty critical. But it isn't, it's very critical. That's not a nice to have uh, that causes it to exist, essentially. From the point of view of a screen reader, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, now, we're going to be using buttons for triggers today. So from the point of view of a screen reader, it would exist anyway, but the screen reader wouldn't really, the screen reader is going to have a much easier time doing the right thing if you if you give it the right ARIA tags. Okay. And the second tag is simply saying, while this is something which can make something appear, it hasn't done its magic yet. So that's the false? So, yeah, so aria-expanded false. In other words, this thing expands and it's not expanded yet. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is the default position of any menu, right? Right now at this moment in time, your browser has a file menu, but it is not expanded. It can expand, but it isn't. Right. Okay. So that's all this means. Uh Dropdowns can exist in many different contexts. Uh, so we're going to see those today. The simplest one is just a plain old div with the class equals dropdown. So let's start nice and simple. Uh, all of the examples that we're going to look at here are all in one file sitting in the zip file called pbs67a.html. Got it. So if you open up that file, it just has lots and lots of menus. And all the code we're going to look at is there. So let's start with the basics. To make a basic dropdown, we create some sort of container tag of your choosing, usually a div, and you give it the class dropdown. Okay. Inside that dropdown, the first thing we need to do is add a button that will act as the trigger to make the menu go. This button is going to be the only thing we see until you expand the menu. So this button is going to be the the visible placeholder. Bootstrap is going to automatically inject a little triangle icon to make it look like it does something. So we don't have to worry about the triangle. We just have to give it the text apart from the triangle and Bootstrap will take care of the triangle for us. So to make this go, there's a whole bunch of, there's six things you have to do to this button. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. 
Okay. So the first thing you have to do is opt into Bootstrap's opinionated styling. So you give it the class BTN or button, <laughs> and then you choose one of the different styles of button. So button dash secondary, button dash danger, whatever you want. One of the other ones. Okay. The second thing you have to do is give the button the class drop down dash toggle. Huh. That tells Bootstrap that this button's job is to make a menu appear or disappear. Okay. You should but also make sure the button both. doesn't... Pardon? Most importantly, both. It makes it appear yes. and disappear. Yes, which in Bootstrap speak is always a toggle. Anything in Bootstrap that sort of does the opposite when you click it again, Bootstrap calls a toggle, which is yeah. very sensible. Yeah. You also want to make sure your button doesn't submit the form by mistake. So by default, all buttons are type equals submit for reasons I will never understand. So you got to explicitly say button type equals button. And that's HTML's fault. That's not Bootstrap's fault. Oh, um, you then, so you're undoing its submitness. Yeah, because by default, every button that doesn't specify that it's not a submit button becomes a submit button because that's what the people who wrote HTML5 thought was a good idea. Do not comprehend, but anyway. Um, the next thing we have to do is we have to give the button the data attribute data-toggle equals dropdown. And that's the magic sauce that makes Bootstrap's JavaScript do its thing. Hmm. Um, how the JavaScript works, we don't need to know. All so we know is if you give it that it attribute... We've already given the class dropdown-toggle. That hasn't told it to, to do any bootstrappy stuff. I mean, any JavaScripty stuff yet. That has told it how it should appear. So that's what's giving mm -hmm. us the nice pretty triangle. Right. And to make it actually do anything, we need the data attribute. Hmm. Okay. So Bootstrap contains a plugin called Toggle that is used for many, many Bootstrap components. And what they all have in common is that they have data-toggle equals and then exactly which what it is you want to make appear and disappear. So for dropdowns, it's data-toggle equals dropdown, but there are other data toggles, which we will meet in future. Okay. The fifth thing we have to do is our aria stuff. So aria dash has pop up equals true, aria dash expanded equals false. Okay. And the last thing we have to do is give the button an ID, which we will need shortly. So once we've added the trigger, the next thing we need to add is something to trigger. So we need to add some sort of tag that's going to hold the menu. And again, you can use any tag you like, but traditionally speaking, the div is used. The important thing is that it gets the class drop-down-menu. And then to make the menu accessible... You're saying the, di the div has to have that? Yes, the div has to have the class drop-down-menu if you're using a div, if you're using a paragraph, then the paragraph has to have the class. What matters is the thing that's going to hold your menu has to have the class drop-down-menu. Okay. To make it accessible, you say aria-labeled-by equals, and then you give it the ID that you gave to your button. So what you're saying is this menu is labeled by whatever the text is on the button. Wait, say that, say that again? So the menu gets an aria-labeled-by, and you give it the ID of the button. Oh, because the button right. is going to have you're the saying text. label it by that button text. Got it. Okay. I'm back with you. And that's why we had to give the button an ID, because otherwise we can't connect the two together for the screen readers. Right. Okay. The menu then contains the content of the menu, which is a whole bunch of buttons with type equals button. And the only other requirement is that they have the class drop down dash item. So that was a lot of English. But when you see it in code, it makes much more sense. <laughs> okay. So div class equals drop down. Easy peasy. The dropdown then contains our toggle button with its six requirements. Button, class equals button, button-secondary, dropdown-toggle. Okay. ID equals basic dropdown button. Data-toggle equals dropdown. aria-has-popup equals true. aria-expanded equals false. And I forgot in the show notes the type equals button. I'll fix that. Um... The next thing we then have is our menu. So div class equals dropdown dash menu, aria labeled by equals basic dropdown button. And then we have our three things. So the text I've given my button is share dot dot dot. And so my button contains, or sorry, my menu contains button class equals dropdown dash item type equals button email. Button class equals dropdown dash item type equals button SMS. 
button dash. You get the idea. Twitter. And what you get is a share button with a triangle icon. And when you click the triangle, it says email, SMS, or Twitter. And if I, you know, actually was doing this for real, I would have a click handler on each of those buttons to do whatever I want to do. Right. And so that is a basic dropdown. So you can see that in action if you open up uh, the the file I mentioned there, pbs67a.html. And you'll see that it's just, it behaves like a menu. Like every menu you've ever come across anywhere. Yeah. This So that was a lot of words, but when you look at the code, you can really see what it's doing. I mean, it looks... It's darn sensible. Yeah, yeah. Um, By default, the dropdown will prefer to go down, but if you're at the bottom of the screen, it will actually go wherever there's the most room. Oh, neat. However, if you don't want it to do that, if you want it to explicitly always go up or always go left, then you give it, instead of saying class equals drop down, you give it the class drop up, which is such an oxymoron, it's ridiculous, <laughs> or drop left or drop right. So the second button in our sample page is a drop right. Okay. And you'll notice that it has the arrow pointing to the right. Oh, look at that. Which is nice. That's cute. Now, the other thing is your your menus can contain more than just buttons because if you go to the file menu in Safari, you'll see that you have dividers and there's more going on there than just buttons. In Bootstrap land, we get to have uh, headings, help text, and dividers. Huh. So, to add a divider, you put in an empty tag of your choice, which is usually a div, and you give it the class drop down dash divider. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. To add a heading of your choice, you use it basically pick a tag, again, usually a div, you put the text in you'd like, and then you give it the class drop down dash header. Hmm. And finally, to add in some help text, you can use any tag you like, and in this case it's usually a P for paragraph. You pop the text in. And you don't have to give it a class, but you can use any of the standard utility classes. So if you want it muted or whatever, then you can do that. Hmm. So I have created a sample menu, which contains all of these things. So we have, you know, our usual div class equals dropdown. It's all the same as before. But this time, the first thing we have is p class equals text dash muted p dash two. So padding of two text muted. We support modern and legacy sharing options. (laughs) Then we have a divider. Class equals dropdown dash divider. Then we have a header that says modern. Then we have our buttons, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then we have another header, legacy. And then we have our buttons, email and SMS. And if you click the share button, you'll see what that does. Now, I've also thrown in a little extra nugget here. (laughs) The Facebook button has an extra attribute you might notice. (laughs) I saw this. I have disabled it. (laughs) Because when you're making an app, it's normal that in some circumstances, some menu items are not available. If you set them disabled, Bootstrap will style them in gray for you. So just randomly, you chose Facebook to disable, right? I don't know why. Yeah, no idea why. Completely random, not subconscious whatsoever. No, it's not. It's purely conscious. (laughs) I am kind of surprised that the uh, bootstrap styling made these headings uh, light gray and smaller text than everything else. That doesn't look like a heading. That disappears to me. Right, but it's kind of supposed to because it's basically a label on a grouping rather than a a heading. So it should, it's basically what should stand out to you are the actions, Twitter and Instagram. And if you happen to, to sort of look up and say, oh, okay, they're modern... And email and SMS, yeah. oh, their legacy. So I I can see their logic, even though I can also see it the other way, and I could make an equally cogent argument the other way. Yeah, because they're smaller and lighter, and especially up against Facebook where it's light gray, it's like, wait a minute, why is that font smaller? I'm not sure, but they made their decisions. There you go. Yeah. And in a real-world menu, it may not look as silly. Right. So that's... There we go. That's that's the most important thing to take out from today. That 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 gets you through 90% of what you need. That's pretty cool. But we can do more. So, I said that dropdowns can exist in other contexts. 
And one of those other contexts is the button group, which we met a few weeks ago. So a button group allows us to group multiple buttons together into a single sort of a unified buttony looking thing with nice rounded borders. And the most common reason you would want to group a dropdown into a button group is to create what is generally speaking called a split button. And you see these all over the web. So if you like if you go into GitHub or whatever, uh, there'll often be a button that has like some sort of default action with an arrow next to it and the non-default variants then drop down. I think you've probably seen that. Um, you can see one if you, if you open up the um, a, a sample split button. You have send as the default action, which is a full-on button, and next to it is a triangle, which is separate, which gives you send in 10 minutes, send in one hour. You've probably seen that styling on other parts of the internet. Yeah, um, not really. And, uh, hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I, on GitHub, they're everywhere. GitHub love their split button. Um, they they are a common thing. So the send button is not the label for the is is not the trigger to expand the menu. It's actually a send button, and then the little arrow is the trigger to drop down the menu. So you have two things: a default action and a way to see more. Okay. Uh, you might see it on stuff like Gmail, where you would have reply and next to it an arrow for forward and reply all. Oh, I have just figured out what you're saying. One of these is the send button. One is another action going on in the other half of the button. I was focusing yes. on the fact that it was changing color when I was clicking on the triangle and I didn't notice that the it was actually two buttons like you were saying. Yes. So and it's called a split button. It's 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 that huh. that's the paradigm there. Okay. And we create a split button using the button group because it is basically two buttons. Right? It is the the, the the default action as a button and then the menu as a second button. So um we do this in Bootstrap by using our button group that we learned about a few weeks ago. And we don't actually give the button group the class dropdown because it doesn't need that. It, it already knows that it's a collection of buttons. However, if we want it to not go down, we do have to give it the class drop up, drop left or drop right if we want to override the default behavior and have it go in a specific direction. Again, I don't know why you would, but you can if you like. Uh, so when you're creating a split button, you're going to have basically the default action as one button. Then you're going to have another button to be the toggle. And then you're going to have the menu. So your button group contains three things. The default button, the expand button, and the menu. Again, I think that's quite sensible. Okay. The The button to trigger the menu doesn't need any text. Or visually, it should, in fact, be empty because Bootstrap is going to put the triangle in automatically, so we don't need to put anything in. But to help out our screen readers, it is considered good practice to put in some text to say what it does and to give it that text, the class SOR-only. So you'll see you'll, you'll see in all the samples, there's a span class equals SOR-only that says toggle dropdown because that's basically telling a screen reader what what does this button do because otherwise it's going to be a screen reader that reads out button which is pretty useless as we joke about quite regularly. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm having trouble finding I'm trying to pay attention to what you're saying and reading at the same time I've lost the reading part. So I see this you've got a button that's the primary button or sorry, you've got a button and then after that you've got another button that says uh drop down dash toggle drop down dash toggle dash split. Yeah, so um, you're now ahead of me instead of behind me. I've only I've only gotten as far as the paragraph the the, the, okay. the paragraph above that I'm halfway through. I see. Okay. I thought we were in the example. All right. Yeah, no, no. So I'm just basically saying that our, our button group is gonna have three things in it. The button to do the default action, and then a button that's gonna act as the toggle, but at this case it's gonna have no text, right? Because its only job in life is to expand the menu. So if we look at the split button in the example page, there was no the send button is the text you see. That's the first of our two buttons. And the second button only has the triangle in it. Oh, but for a screen reader, we want to add some extra help. So we're saying for a screen reader, we put in the text toggle dropdown. Wait. And then we add the menu. The toggle dropdown is only for the screen. Oh, that's right. Right, right. Okay. Yes. Okay. 
Now, in order to make that little triangle button look sensible when it has no text, we have to give it two classes this time. So normally we only give it the class dropdown-toggle. Now we give it an extra class, dropdown-toggle-split, and that just makes the spacing and stuff correct. It centers the little triangle inside the small button. Okay. Okay, so now let's look at the code snippet, because again, a lot of English, but the code snippet is quite straightforward. So can I, can everything I is just taken. What? So you just said that the dropdown-toggle-split was a class that was added to make the triangle look correct, to have it be uh, centered in the box. I thought that's what was making this a split button. Where did we make it be a split button? By saying it's a button group. Okay. A button group is two buttons mushed together. Okay. Okay. Which we've seen before. Gotcha. Which we've seen before, yes. Okay. In this case, they're not of equal size, right? And that's because we're saying the second button is actually a toggle. Therefore, make it a nice little subtle button, give it this little icon and carry on. Okay. Because normally if you make a button group, they're equal size. But in this case, we have uh, different sizes. Okay. So div class equals button dash group. We are starting a button group. We create our first button. Button type equals button. Class equals button, button dash primary send. A completely normal button. Nothing fancy whatsoever. It's just a button. Then we have a button that does all the heavy lifting. Button type equals button, class equals button, button dash primary, drop down dash toggle, drop down dash toggle dash split. Phew, that's a busy <laughs> button. Data dash toggle equals drop down. Aria dash has pop up equals true, aria dash expanded equals false, and then we give it an ID. Wow, that really is busy. Then inside, yeah, then inside the button, we haven't closed the button tag yet, inside the button, cl- span class equals SOR dash only, toggle drop down slash span, and finally we get to close off the button. It looks small on screen, but quite a lot going on in that button. Wow. And then we add the menu exactly as before. Div class equals dropdown dash menu, RA labeled by, and then it just contains our two buttons, class equals dropdown dash item type equals button. So really, it's line three, which goes on for quite some time, is where all the heavy lifting is happening. So we just put it inside the button group, and then we've given it those extra classes. And we now have a quite normal split button, as we see all over the internet. Now, a button group can only contain one drop-down menu. But a button group can contain as many buttons as you like, so in theory, you could have multiple buttons followed by the toggle on the end. So as an example, I have save, send, and then a drop-down. Okay. Kind of a contrived example. Right. The other place we can put drop-downs is inside our input groups, which is what we were looking at more recently than button groups. So this is where we have our text boxes with fancy decorations left and right. So we can have a drop-down inside our button group either in the input group prepend or the input group append. They're the only places that you can have a drop-down. So either in the prepend or in the append, you can't have a drop-down in the middle of the input group. Can you... Slow down for me for just a second here. Um, I, we were in buttons. We're still looking at buttons, but you said we're not in buttons. We're in input groups. Yes. So we've left our button groups behind. And we're now we've moved on to input groups, which is what we looked at most recently. So Remind if we look at the form in our, the, the, the login form is an input group. We have two text areas and then a button as an input group. Okay. Or before that, we had the share form where we had the little icons left and right of the various fields to show what they were. Yeah. Okay. They're input groups. Okay. And so as well as having our fancy pants little icons, we can also have a drop down, either as the thing that gets stuck onto the front of the text box or the thing that gets stuck onto the back of the text box. Oh, okay. Okay. With our prepend and append. So it's, you got to choose. You can't have it anywhere else. It's either a prepend or an append. Okay. And you can have either a split button or a traditional drop-down. Your choice. And the markup is basically exactly the same as what we had above. But instead of saying class equals button group, we say class equals input group. And we put our button and our menu either in the input group dash append or the input group dash prepend. But the actual markup is exactly the same. It's all of that toggle stuff. 
I I have still not gotten it into my pea brain. What why what's the difference between append and prepend in this context? A, a prepend goes before the text box, and an append goes after the text but box. So my example has two appends. This is a drop Pardon? down. This doesn't have anything to do with. Maybe okay. I'm not understanding. An input where group is a text box with some decorations before or after or both. Yes. Yes. So if it's before the text box, it's a prepend. Oh. If it's so you... after the text box, it's an append. So in, in the example HTML file, they're both appends because it okay. looks weird to me as a prepend. I think I've got it. So what we're still doing a button. We're still doing a drop-down toggle on that button. It's just whether it's before or after the input, uh, the, the text box that's part of the input group. Yes. Okay. Exactly. We're making a drop-down menu and we're sticking it into the input group. Do we stick it to the front of the input group? So to the left of mm-hmm. the input gotcha. or to the right of the that input? That is silly. If if it's an action-based thing, then it doesn't make sense to have it before you've told it what you want it to take action on, logically. I right? would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would completely okay. agree. It, it makes no sense to me. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So anyway... I generally would see them in appends, which is why my two examples are an append. And you can have either a standalone button or a split button. And the markup is, like I say, just just like what we had before, but it's inside an input group instead of inside a button group. Gotcha. That's the only difference. Okay, I caught it. So in the example file, you can see those two in action. We have dropdowns and input groups, your message, and then a button that gives you, when you click it, either send, send as urgent, or send without notification. So I guess that's the opposite of urgent. <laughs> or you can have your message and then a default send button as a split button or in a drop down to give you the other two options, send as urgent, send without notification. And the second example is much more realistic, right? You'd have a default action and then funny stuff. Hmm. Okay. And so, yeah. And uh, this somewhat reminds me, and I think it's Slack's interface is sort of a bit like that, right? Where you have effectively an input group. When you go to type a message, it's basically an input group with some in this case, I guess, three buttons on the end and an ascend button. So it's not quite the same, but it's not a million miles off. Anyway. But it is a good point A good point in time to mention that we have a specific channel for programming by stealth within our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack. Indeed we do. So if you so want to chat with Feel Bart free to chat in there. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all the new stuff I want to put into your brain today. That's I think enough. that's sufficient. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's that hard. It just getting these things categorized for me took me a little longer. Yeah, which is, but it's good to work through them like this. And because we're not doing too much, we actually can yeah, yeah. work through them instead of glossing over things. So definitely better. So challenge is quite straightforward, I think. Continuing with our recipe, or in your case, the PBS index, go back to that login form. And change the login button. I think at the moment it just says admin login. So change that to be a split button, which says admin login as the default action, and then has a drop down that contains two separate optional actions login for five minutes, login for one hour. Ah, that means I've got to I get my login form to work, doesn't it? <laughs> it does rather, yes. Yeah. So I'm afraid you have to finish last week's homework Darn before it. you can do this week's homework. Darn it. Okay. So just to remind you, we're halfway through what we can do with these dropdowns. So we've seen how to use them within the UI of some sort of web app, some sort of webby interface. And next time, we're going to look at bootstrap support for navigation bars in general and navigation bars with dropdown menus in particular. Cool. So that's that's where we're going. That sounds like fun. Well, um, I'm going to surprise the audience by now. If you've gotten here, you may or may not have figured it out. I realized it might be helpful to people if I add chapters for when we finish the homework and when we start the new segment. Oh, yeah. So I actually wrote down what time we started talking about the new segments because I think that might be a logical break point of people going, no, I got the homework. I want to get going. That's a really good idea. I I approve this message. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk about uh, the other half of the dropdowns. Excellent. Until then, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. 
If you go over to letstashtalk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.